welcome to Taiwan Studies podcast hosted by NASA, the North American Taiwan Studies Association. In this episode, our guest, Dr. Minya Rousley, and SOAS School of Oriental and African Studies, University of London, will discuss Taiwan studies in contemporary academia. I'm Jia Yuliang, today's host, and I'm a doctoral candidate in international relations at the University of Sussex, UK. I'm also NASA's 2020 conference management team. Uh, today, we are very honored to be able to talk to Dr. Mingye Rousley from SOAS School of Oriental and African Studies, University of London. She's a research associate at the Center of Taiwan Studies. She also worked as the Secretary General in EAT, European Association of Taiwan Studies. Last but not least, she is also the founding editor-in-chief of a peer-reviewed academic journal, IJTS, International Journal of Taiwan Studies. Uh, welcome, Dr. Rongsley, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, it's my honor, and I also feel a bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we all are. Yeah, so um, I'm wondering whether you could introduce yourself a little bit more uh, about your intellectual trajectory. I see in uh, your uh, personal profile that before uh, becoming an academic, you, are, you actually worked in different fields. And so I'm very interested in your trajectory from working to academia and to Taiwan studies. So can you uh, share this okay. with our audience? Right, okay. So yeah, I uh, got my BA degree in Taiwan, you know, from National Taiwan University. Mm -hmm. uh, my BA degree was in library science. Um, so after I graduated from, you know, the university, I have always wanted to go abroad to study, but I felt I need a very strong rationale for myself rather than just simply because I can. Um, because when we study in Taiwan throughout, you know, the education system, um, you, there, there was no choice. You just have to study. And even yeah. though you enjoyed it, you were able to do it, but sometimes you don't really sit down to think very deeply about what you really want. So I sort of packed the question aside while I'm thinking about what, what I really want to do. You know, why do I want to go abroad? Um, I tried several jobs because I know I'm very interested in writing and editing. So that has always been my passion. Um, so to begin with, I was a TV scriptwriter. So he's a freelance and writing a lot of TV scripts since I was at university. I also work as a journalist in newspapers. And these experiences made me realize um, within writing, there are different types of writing. And also, so I kind of tried out what type of writing is more suitable for me. You know, what, what kind of things I really uh, want to pursue. And I remember one of the story when I was uh, working as a journalist, I think it was a foreign minister then, uh, Lian Zhan, oh, who okay. beat his wife. That was a, yeah, so a, a big news, right? And so I wrote about it, but I realized the second day I have to continue chase up. So that whole mm. news lasted for one week and I felt I wasn't very interested in this type of uh, current affairs. Um, at the same time, I think there was, um, uh, Taiwan broke the diplomatic tie with Saudi Arabia. Uh, 
Oh. And, but, you know, as a journalist, what we did just kind of a, um, put out a press release that we received from the MOFA. And you, you change here and there. And I was very unsatisfied. So I found even when the news finished, but I keep going back to library to find out in the background about Saudi Arabia and this particular kind of a relationship. So I suppose at that point, I kind of know I prefer deeper context. I need to understand the background before I sort of put out anything. So I think actually that's kind of a, made me realize what kind of a, a writer that I am, I am really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that gives me more grounding about what I want to pursue. So eventually I decided to study communication studies and because University of Leeds gave me a scholarship, uh, I, I think probably based on the, the, the practical experience I had. So I got this um, reward, I suppose. So I went to UK, but as soon as I sort of landed in a foreign country, started my pursuit, I think within two months, I knew I wanted to do a PhD because I know for one year MA wasn't going to satisfy me. Um, so, so that's actually how I finally became um, a researcher and I get into um, kind of this uh, academic path. Um, my PhD was, like I said, in communication studies. So at that time I was still very, uh, not very certain what kind of topic I really want to do. So my original choice was to look at public service broadcasting. And that was when Taiwan was going to establish public television station. So I want to study about BBC in the UK, NHK Mm. in Japan, PBS in the US. Mm. But I find when I was doing the research, I kept going back to the Taiwanese context to Mm -hmm. try to embed the question and understand how things worked and what may work. Mm. And so, and finally, my research then focused on public television in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And this helped me to comprehend the development of television in Taiwan under the island's specific social, political, and cultural backgrounds. And so the establishment of a public television in Taiwan was also very much bound out with the Taiwan's democratization process, which mm. then very much became kind of a prison of mine when I examine everything that is Taiwan related, either Taiwan media, cinema, and culture today. Mm. So I, I didn't really deliberately set out to become a Taiwan studies scholar, mm-hmm. but it is probably a calling. And so everything I research, I find I have a Taiwan angle one way mm-hmm. or the other. Mm-hmm. So I feel very comfortable to be, to be identified as a Taiwan studies scholar. But, you know, at the same time, I'm equally comfortable to identify myself as a communications or film researcher. Well, thank you very much, and it was very amazing the project, the trajectory that you w- went through. And you said that uh, during your re- uh, research on television in Taiwan, so it, w- it was during the time of the democratization. So, do you mean that it was around the time of, let's say, the end of Cold War, uh, the early nineties? Yeah, public television. The idea actually started in the early nineteen eighties, and also so before the station was established. 
there were some you know um, public service programs produced mm-hmm. for the three major tv stations mm-hmm. so it started much earlier but oh, you know okay. in the 1980s when the idea of having a station dedicated station mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. around mid 1980s that's oh. when democratization became really actually the momentum really started yes, so yes. this whole mm-hmm. idealism you know for public yeah. service television yeah. then really embraced by intellectuals and students yes. of, of the day um so they took it longer for yeah. finally the uh, station to be established in 1997 mm-hmm. but that whole mm-hmm. process from the 1980s to 1990s yeah certainly mm-hmm. very much sort of tied up with taiwan's democratization process yeah, that is so interesting. So it seems that your the beginning of your of your academic career also paralleled the uh, democratization pr- process in Taiwan. And so I'm wondering now, uh, f- uh, f- from that background, um, how do you find uh, your current uh, task in the International Journal of Taiwan Studies? Like, so you found in academia uh, what kind of writer you want to be, as you said, and now you also work as the chief. Uh, edit, editor-in-chief for the journal. Can you tell us a little bit how do you find the, the, the journal in terms of what kind of uh, contribution uh, it is supposed to make and how do you find the impact of the journal in academia as a whole? Mm, okay, so firstly, actually I think the, the journal really is a team effort. So I just find actually when I uh, began identifying myself as the Taiwan Studies Scholar, that's, um, I found uh, this amazing scholarly community. Um, so the people within this circle, they are very friendly is one thing, but really very helpful. And people are enthusiastic and willing to work together from different disciplinary backgrounds, but have this common interest with Taiwan. Um, so a lot of a project which was larger than one person that previously when I work in discipline um, background, I probably didn't imagine I would achieve. Then within this Taiwan Studies circle, they became possible, including establishment of this journal. And so um, the International Journal of Taiwan Studies was a, a idea that was raised in 2015 when there was the uh, Second World Congress for Taiwan Studies took place in London, mm-hmm. um, co-sponsored with uh, Academia Sinica. Mm-hmm. And so at that particular time point, sort of the, I think the global Taiwan Studies community seems to have a consensus that it was about time that we had enough talent, output and resources, have a dedicated journal that is can contain you know kind of um to to be a platform for scholars to publish their work that's related to taiwan from all disciplines so once this uh, idea was accepted by the majority of the scholars at that conference uh, attended by several hundred people um so behind the scene they would continue to kind of outreach and discuss with people who didn't come to the conference and we really receive overwhelming support. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with this kind of a, a big, strong community support, um, we then were able to talk to, um, to identify a publisher. Uh, 
And so Brio then was also very enthusiastic at that time. They want to expand their Taiwan studies profile. So, so it, it become a, a, a really win-win situation. So we had uh, Academia Sinica and mm. also European Association of Taiwan Studies willing yeah. to put up funding. Mm. And we have Brio as the publisher who was also to take on you know, this whole project. Um, so, so then we, we start to uh, organize um, the community and organize several different kinds of uh, editorial boards and the journal started. So it was published twice a year from mm -hmm. 2018. Mm -hmm. So right up to this year, we published three volumes, so six issues altogether. Mm -hmm. um, the submission, uh, you said about um, impact um, from the editorial office, what I can observe is really from this summer onwards, our submission increased. Huh. So my workload became much heavier. <laughs> but it was so apparent. So you, can, you cannot help just feel really happy about it. So I think I can only give this kind of a anecdotal mm -hmm. uh, evidence mm -hmm. that I think there must be an impact. Hence, yeah. we can have this, you know, within three years, the submission rate increased quite apparently. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the quality of the paper, we were also seeing a steady increase. Um, mm -hmm. But we have always used double blind um, review process. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever, we, we do our best to give authors as mm -hmm. much constructive criticism as yeah. we can, because mm -hmm. we think we need to work with this community. So we want to cultivate authors, the reviewers, but at, you know, ultimately, I think the stronger this community is, the stronger our journal will be. Um, so, so far, I think the journal going very well. And the publisher also agreed to increase our page number. And our ultimate uh, goal is going to become a quarterly. We don't have a real time frame, but, mm -hmm. you know, within three years, now we are actually going to have more pages for mm -hmm. our journal. So I can see in the foreseeable future, it's yeah. probably going to increase in terms of the frequency and mm -hmm. ultimately become a quarter. And obviously, you know, try to be indexed by, you know, um, sort of recognized, uh, globally recognized in indexed agencies. That's also, you know, one of our targets. Well, thank you. And it is very uh, encouraging to know that, well, Contributors to the journals and also the quality of articles that submit to the journals are both uh, increasing. So, uh, do you have any idea why this year, particularly, that the journal got more attention and so more uh, submissions are made? Mm. Um, I think it's a accumulated effect mm -hmm. from you know from the launch issue in 2018. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously mm -hmm. we keep doing. Uh -huh. Um, the publicity and also, you know, try to have the connection with mm -hmm. all the institutions that we know, um, have perhaps through uh, words of mouth, mm -hmm. that's kind of cumulatively right up to this point, mm -hmm. it has an effect. Mm -hmm. But I also think um, this year, because of the pandemic, <clears throat> mm -hmm. so a lot of um, um, major conferences, weren't able to yeah. take place. Mm. Um, so scholars, I think, have their output, but they need a platform and to, 
to disseminate their idea. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so perhaps that's also one reason. But mm -hmm. at the same time, because of the, the challenge of uh, uh, COVID-19, in fact, uh, this year, the three regional association of Taiwan studies that include NATSA and also European Association of Taiwan Studies, EATS, and also Japan Association for Taiwan Studies, that's JATS, the three uh, organizations, they had real collaboration this year mm -hmm. online. So mm -hmm. from summer onwards, we did start to have a informal webinar um, mm -hmm to talk about issues that people are interested in. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe I think through these kind of collaboration, the words of mouth effect become mm -hmm. bigger as well. So mm -hmm. we also find the, the articles received, you know, come from all corners of mm -hmm. the world. Um, may I ask you to uh, give us a, uh, well, first of all, uh, from your perspective, a location or situation of Taiwan studies in academia and also an evaluation of this field because well I think um, it, according to my observation uh, it actually is relatively new for Taiwanese reading public can you give us a, uh, a sense of how you locate Taiwan study in contemporary academia and how you see strengths and weakness in, uh, in its current form Okay. Yeah, I think actually the, the gap between the scholarly community in Taiwan and the scholarly community outside Taiwan, I think the conceptual gap on Taiwan studies is natural. Mm -hmm. And I think the more communications between sort of inside and outside Taiwan will probably gradually um, reduce or minimize this gap. But on the other hand, I think to have that gap not necessarily a bad thing mm -hmm. because just very much like in Britain, you probably mm -hmm. do not think about yeah. British studies per se. Mm -hmm. So in Taiwan, then mm -hmm. you don't necessarily think about Taiwan studies. Mm -hmm. However, so this is actually where I come from. Mm -hmm. I do not envisage Taiwan studies as an area studies. I see Taiwan studies as an area based research field so i think so so for that reason i think taiwan studies can really contain multiple and really expansive disciplines so as long as your study is relevant to taiwan mm -hmm. it can be considered as taiwan studies mm -hmm. so so in that sense perhaps a political scientist mm -hmm. may be interested in theory in many other things but if there is one project he or she does is related to Taiwan, then it's related to Taiwan studies. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, is not, it doesn't have to be a very fixed boundary. And for that reason, Taiwan studies can continue to grow uh, and very adaptable. So I think, you know, in this way, we can see Taiwan studies um, can be very well integrated within different subject matters. And it should provide scholars with valuable case studies and also data to illuminate, to testify, to challenge, or to refine existing theories. Perhaps they are dominated by Western academia, but also you know, established frameworks. So for example, the concept of cultural China.
So, so I think actually I see this is the, you know, because you asked about the strengths and weaknesses. So far, I see these are the real strengths of mm-hmm. Taiwan study. But these under specific circumstances can also be its weakness because when you are so easily to be blamed with other or, or to be content with other disciplines, then perhaps it's more difficult for this to be considered as a distinctive, like you said, field. But I think actually I, I, I will maintain just as long as it is a research related to Taiwan, I think we should be you know, willingly to consider that as part of Taiwan studies. Then I think as long as Taiwan studies scholar continue to produce quality output, then this field will continue to grow and, thr- and thrive. Well, thank you very much for that uh, clear, concise, but also rich uh, explanation, because it seems to me that, so in your uh, definition, Taiwan studies, so first of all, you do not define it as area studies, like what we had normally, but how you seem to identify it more as, as you said, uh, studies based on the area of Taiwan, which means that there is a shift from identifying Taiwan as an object of study to a, a method or a framing of a specific studies relating to an area. So Taiwan studies advocates or promotes uh, a kind of uh, study that contains a sense of self-reflexivity in relation to Taiwan. Mm. That, that yes. is, in terms of theory and framing, is I think very uh, interesting and uh, promising actually. Thank you very much for your sharing and uh, well uh, we hope that in the future we can see more uh, thought-provoking and um, intellectually enriching uh, researches coming out from uh, the Journal of International Journal of Taiwan Studies and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Taiwan Studies podcast hosted by NASA the North American Taiwan Studies Association. You can find more about the podcast on our website, na-tsa.org. Thank you very much.